From multiple learned locations in Minneapolis or near enough, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Ellen Burns Johnson, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are PC Build 2021, The Journey Begins, and Press Reset, Book Report. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Okay. First bit of news, listeners <laughs> yes. may have heard last week uh, that we had decided uh, out of nowhere uh, <laughs> to update the the uh, the storied feedback form that we maintain here on the program at right, nicegames.club right. slash feedback. Mm-hmm, we've, mm-hmm. we've updated a few times in the past. Um, it's a great way for us to get um, feedback from our listeners, but also learning a little bit about our listeners, what they want from the show, what they expect from the show. And also, we get some really nice comments there, so it's really nice to hear. Um, and we decided we were going to give it another facelift, uh, and so we just uh, spent a little time doing that uh, before we recorded this episode. Um, and uh, so we're here to tell you we did that and make it worth our while by please going to feedback and answering some of those questions. Yes. Re- reinforce our follow-through. Yes. We right. did a yes. thing. <laughs> we completed something. Recondition right, right. us to continue doing things. <laughs> okay, hold on though. We we've completed things in the past. You know, we did robust and we've how many episodes is this? Hundred hundred two hundred. This is two one two. Two one two. Okay. So we've done some stuff. I mean, no, to be fair, we have fair. not finished this episode yet. So don't don't <laughs> count your chickens before they yeah, hatch. I'm tapping out now. We're done. We can we'll come back to it later. I mean I can hit stop <laughs> now and that'll do it, but <laughs> Uh, but yes no for real though uh, the feedback form has been updated please uh, uh, you can fill it out at nicegames.club slash feedback we very much appreciate your feedback um, and hope and, and it's, 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 it's a very short feedback form too it's not very long it should take less than five minutes I think to complete so and yeah. most of the questions are optional yes I think there's one required question right so right. if you just want to fill out one question and say hey I like this form that's fine. <laughs> We're going to just get a bunch of responses with that now. Um, <laughs> as long but, as you, you know, guys know it's there. Well, yeah. what, are the th- what are the things we changed about it? What's new about the form now? Like, just a little bit of process here. Um, yeah. we, well, you know, um, we still want to get the same kind of information from people. We wanted mm-hmm. to be a little more specific in well, this changed, era of the program. We changed some of the formatting um, to make it so that it's more clear to us um, what feedback people are giving to us. And it's, it, it's, it would end up being more useful information. I think um, we, uh, well, like in like we had we uh, in the past in the previous feedback form we had had a bunch of information or questions about like the the kinds of episodes we were doing and like our things have changed partly due to us being recording well, remotely now but also due to us just uh, adapting as 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 we do mm-hmm. people change shows change um, mm-hmm. and so like we 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 change some of the questions that we have on there to get better information about the kinds of content that we may want to provide in the future to people as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if you're interested in us doing streaming on Twitch or YouTube or something. Uh-huh. Uh, could yeah, happen Steven sounds really excited about it. So if you're as excited as Steven or <laughs> impossibly more so, perhaps you can let us know. Yeah, we had a couple of, you know, we, we always talk about like what more do we want to do with the show. And so we, mm-hmm. we've, we've always, we have a list of things we want to try someday. And yeah. so uh, we thought we'd put those lists and actually show them to you, our listener, and maybe you can uh, uh, say, yeah, that sounds like a cool idea. No promises, um, but, you know, we're, uh, things we want to do with the program. We've done a couple of 
live shows and we've done now that we do remotely like would you be interested in hearing us do the show as we record it before it's edited and released and you know just things like that and there's there's plenty oh of places to tell us your actual thoughts not just like check a box and that's one of the things that ellen you brought to the 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 forum is to have more of these uh, uh, these open-ended questions just let people share us share their thoughts with us rather than us trying to get a lot of qualitative data um which is maybe not what our feedback form is good for right y- yeah we i think we shifted the form to be less quantitative you know and more just open-ended um and try to streamline some things. We we reformat some of the questions to make them a little bit easier to answer and and get rid of some questions and so on and so forth. But uh, we'll give you a, a tease of what those questions might be later in the episode. The only other thing I'd add is we tried to add some of our personality in there. So mm-hmm. it's not going to be like your academic survey because that's right. that's not us, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know that. Yeah. Brainy. Brainy. Not <laughs> academic. Right. 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 Uh, so, Stephen, uh, before we move on from this, where might people go one last time to provide this feedback to us? Nicegames.club slash feedback. All right. Uh, what? Wait a minute. I'm looking at the notes here. <laughs> uh-huh. Stephen, did you sneak this in here? Fingence is out in April? Um, maybe. Yeah. I might have put that on there. Yes. So, no. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, we're, um, yes, we're planning on releasing the game in April. Uh-huh. That is the plan. Mid mid April, not even not the end of April. Mid mid. Wait a minute. When listeners hear this, it will be mid April. Oh yeah. So that's part of so maybe th- why I slipped <laughs> it in here. <laughs> oh. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so we'll. Oh dear. When is this episode coming out? We might have links and stuff for like when the the. Man, I'm making it sound a lot less. <laughs> This is, this is a real Fingen style announcement, let's just say. <laughs> um, yeah, game's coming out in April. Look forward to it. We may have links because uh, the date is not exactly finalized, but we have like a week that we're planning on getting it out there. And um, really, like, we haven't we haven't worked on Fingen in a while. Um, and we want, I mean, but like the game's good. We want other people to be able to play it. Yeah. Um, particularly listeners. Like I I've talked about it on the show a bunch and we've had we've showed trailers and we went through the code on it, but I don't think listeners have really had a great opportunity to play the game. Um, so when the game is out, you will be able to get it. And I I think I rem- if I remember correctly, we talked about it being free. But if it's not free, then edit this out. Whoever's editing. <laughs> no, no, no. If it's not free, please pay for it, listener. It is a really good game. Right. It's yeah. it's worth it's worth however much money Steven's asking and, and twice as much. Oh. I mean, oh, but gosh. if it's free, then you get it for free. But if it's right. not, buy it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, so yeah, look forward to that. Um well I'll yeah, we'll we'll definitely at least have a trailer out and stuff. And like Yeah. We'll announce it. It'll be on. It'll be out on itch. That is our plan. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I'm so pumped. That's that. Gonna, Eric's going to be so, so excited. I know. He loves that game. <laughs> I'm really excited play. to hear Eric's thoughts. I'm going to, after we're done recording, I want to go down and tell him right away. Oh, good. <laughs> and I'll There's tell you what his response is. There yeah. are definitely a, a lot of people I could name and many I've just witnessed anticipating this game. Um, so I think... Um, there will be a lot of people happy by its its release. Um, but uh, I, I want to ask you a little more about it because I'm literally just learning this as we record. 
Um, so you got together and you just kind of said like, now's the time, like what, what motivated you to do it? Is it just, it's, it's about time or was there something specific that you, like a question you needed to answer that you weren't able to answer until now? Um, it was, uh, 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 someone had approached, um, Lane on, on, on saying that they were like some, I guess someone had said that like Vengeance is the most anticipated game that's coming out in, in, from Minnesota this year or something like that. And I was like. Um, and so Lane was like, yeah, we should try to release this game. Um, but the, like part of it, I mean, I guess I'll be a little bit candid. Part of the issue that we've been having is that we've been working on separate things and we haven't had as much energy to work on side projects. And so yeah. like, e- like we, a- there was a period of time when we were working on Finnegan's a lot over, um, uh, while we were working from home, um, and our, and our, uh, our own jobs, but like, um, you know, Charles is a super famous game dev now who almost beat out The Last of Us Part Two, and so he doesn't have time for this game anymore. And <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> but um and but and and like I, you know, I work on games full time. Uh and so it's it's harder for me to put in additional effort to work on a game yeah. outside of working on games. Um so what we did is we rescoped what we want from Vengeance. Like cause a lot of the stuff that we have, a lot of stuff we already have in Vengeance is, is completed content. Um so really what we're doing is we're yeah we're just like rescoping what we want from it and um making some small edits to make sure that the game functions and does not explode people's computers when they put it on their platforms mm-hmm. um and stuff and then like and then shipping it out on itch so yeah yeah so a lot of it maybe i think there's probably a time there must have been a time in between when you no longer had enough time to work on it but you still were hoping that you could is it do a, a larger launch for it mm-hmm. perhaps and then at a certain point you just you you became more realistic about like it's now just it's if we wait to work on it more or make it bigger then it'll never get done so yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. it's excellent now uh and i think and i think people have been telling you guys that for probably a long long time yeah but maybe it's just you finally believed it yourselves yeah i mean sometimes you just have to come to the realization yourself um yeah like the the game yeah the game, and well but not just that but like the game is the work we did over last year did mm-hmm. improve the game significantly and i think it is an even better game than it was even before that so like i i think that like all of that time was worthwhile it's just i think that like there and so there were some ambitions and things that we had that was uh for keeping us um, from from wanting to release it when we wanted to so yeah and maybe less about the game itself, but but about the launch of the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we want to, well, yeah. I, and, and our, well, th- this is what happens when you've worked on a game for this long. Um, is that, like, you know, your ambitions for the game change, too. Like, I think initially, mm-hmm. like, when we first started working on Finches, it was supposed to be our intro. Like, we were supposed to use this as a platform to be in the industry and, like, maybe make money off of that and stuff. Um, but, like, I, I made money off of it because I have this job that I got due to vengeance um and so like even without it being out i've already it's already achieved that that goal for me um Mm -hmm. and so i i what i want from it now is i just want people to play it and enjoy it and have a good time with it um yeah so that's that's what i'm going for and without without regular playtest events you have not seen people play it in a while yeah so that itch has not been scratched i bet is probably part of it Mm-hmm. Well, I'm jazzed, and I'm glad you let me interview about it uh, just now, improv, because <laughs> I'm I'm very very excited, and listeners should be too. Vengeance is astounding, and I haven't played it in a while, so it's e- I guarantee you it's even better than I think it is, um, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm super pumped. Like, I guess that's what I'm going to do with the second half of April is play Fintons with Eric in the basement. Oh. I might be fully vaccinated by then, but like, won't matter because I won't go yeah. anywhere. I'll be playing Fintons. Yeah. Yay. Uh, okay. Ellen, you got news too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, this is not big news. It's small news. And it's that's big news yeah. to me because I'm very Con. curious about it. Oh, yeah. I have one right here. So I okay. got this little, this doodad called a Ra- it's by Razer. There okay. are many other brands and sub brands and things of devices like this out there, but it is a mobile controller that is like an accordion style one. So here's what it looks like when it's collapsed. And oh. of course, I will put pictures and things in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, when you when you put your phone in it, it feels a little bit like a Nintendo Switch. It um, kind of telescopes out. And I will expand it really quick so you guys can see. Um, and then you've got this controller that you can put your phone in. Landscape mode. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that thing's kind of beefy when you expand it. It's, it is. Well, you know, it's an Android compatible device and there are mm-hmm. lots of real big Android yeah. phones. Yeah. Um, well, it's got to fit in your hands, too. I think but the a lot of efforts yeah. to make like control schemes for mobile devices have focused on the portability of mobile. But I think this right. form factor, which isn't super new, but I think is being refined more and mm-hmm. more and is becoming more popular, like is finally I think is the switch just proved to people that this makes sense. Um, yeah, but it needs to be a little bulkier than you'd expect a mobile phone uh, to be. Um, yeah, that's fair. I think they, people finally understood that. Um, so here's here I have a Pixel 4a, so it's not a giant phone, um, and I'll probably never have a giant phone because I don't have giant hands. <laughs> um, but you can see it kind of like snaps in, like so, oh. and then do okay, um, yeah, and it's actually it's really comfortable to hold, and I'm excited just to kind of doodle around with it. Um, I didn't get it for any specific games. I just got it because I liked the idea of it and wanted to see what mm-hmm. was out there. Haven't found a whole bunch of stuff so far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I we'll wonder, um, what comes like that. Android, Android TV and um, an Apple TV, the device, not the service, um, you know, support controllers. And um, for a long time, I've tried to, you know, there was that era of micro consoles like Android based, like Ouya and, and, and GameStick and so on that tried mm-hmm. to bring Android gaming to the couch. But I think maybe the ultimate solution to, to having controller games on Android is is devices like this is actually just selling games, standard style games that maybe they have some touch controls, but are actually meant for console style control schemes. And I, I wonder I would love to see the mobile marketplaces uh, curate and catalog that stuff because the I mean, the mobile devices are very powerful uh, computing machines. Uh, mm-hmm. you wouldn't know it necessarily because of how their use case works. And a lot of mobile games have excellent, fantastic graphics, but their designs are uh, um, maybe not limited, but they're constrained and defined by their input me- uh, methods. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I would love to see, I mean, there's like, there's no reason you can't port any Switch game to Android, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just that no one has the buttons for it. And why not? Why don't we have the buttons for it? Yeah, so I'm just, I'm curious to see where it goes um, now that there seem to be more and more of these out there. I mean, there are lots of controllers that are you can just like stick your phone on the front of it and kind of clicks in. I don't like that. It feels janky yeah. and like I'm mm. going to knock it over and yeah. you never know when a dog is going to jump in your lap and knock something out of your hand. Right. That's a problem um, we all have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but mostly just I just don't feel like the balance of the controller is one of the things that I really like, that tactile. Mm. Um like that tact, just the 
the feeling of having a controller in your hand, my hand, is a good feeling. Like it's a good sensation because it's always like well designed, even if they're a little too big, like it's nice to feel like how it curves in your between your fingers and things like that. And those the controllers that are like a regular controller, but then you put the weight of a smartphone that's five inches, six inches long on the front of it, it throws the balance off. And I, right. I don't like that feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I am realizing maybe I'm a little bit pickier about stuff like that than I thought I was. <laughs> you know, I, I would talk. not be I would not be surprised if there are a lot of people who feel the same way as you do with, with that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're just they've just accepted what they see on TV or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I will say so I have I've tried out um Amazon's Luna uh controller, which has one of those clips that it, the controller is just a standard gamepad style, but Luna is like Stadia where it's meant to be um, you know, on your PC and your TV and your phone or whatever. So that's the that's the sort of ecosystem for a controller like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't hate it, but it is you kind of have to get it just so because this arm has a pivot. And um, I think about like, well, this isn't that much different from like a Game Boy because uh, the thing with a Switch is that it's it, not that it's enormous, but your hands are a little bit further apart from each other. So mm-hmm. when you're looking down. It, it's it, ergonomically it's slightly more comfortable to play it kind of in your lap or whatever mm-hmm. whereas with a game boy you kind of would need to hold it up a little bit more to be comfortable because you're I, I don't know this your elbows are further in yeah there's a little chicken wing kind of process going and i think with this it, it if you want to play it like a game boy you, you got to hold it up a little bit and then the weight of the thing is even worse than mm-hmm. it, what than the hypothetical you're describing ellen so i think naturally it's a tricky uh um um, uh, form factor, um, yeah. and w- for those types of those types of ecosystems, because it's all tied together, right? Stadia and Luna uh, are, uh, operate this way, and have these ty- they promote this type of thing, so you can just use it as a regular controller on a TV or a PC or whatever, mm-hmm. and so it has that flexibility. But any, every time I've tried it out with mobile, maybe it's because I'm indoors all the time. But like, I'm just like, why am I doing this? Why am I not on my TV if I can't? Right. Um, yeah, right. yeah. So, and I don't know. We'll see. I the the thing that came up there were like a I've searched specifically for controller compatible games, um, and there were a few things that came up. None of them had particularly great reviews. Maybe a few did. They were racing games. There was one like zombie first person shooter out there, which I'll try because that mm-hmm. is cool on multiple fronts. Um, <laughs> and an independent search, I downloaded uh, mo- it's like Mario Kart Tour. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, and I was thinking, oh, this this has got to have controller support, right? No, it doesn't. Really? Yeah. yeah, there are like hacks you can do. I found a few on YouTube, but I'm too lazy to do them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is a bummer because like that would be that would be perfect. Um, yeah. But well, we'll it's, see. it's interesting because it's like, uh, of course, that's the perfect game for it. But also, Nintendo is very much of the we made it to work one way. Right. Right, and and so of course their mobile games are going to be that same. Exactly. Exactly. So we'll see. I'll have more to report in a couple of weeks when we record again. And, yeah. you know, when listeners listen to that recording, um, I might have some more fun things. I'm going to see what I can do with the Steam link. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. And I will report back. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> well, hey, there's no reason you can't. I mean, Finjin started out as an Android game, right? Uh, uh, yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> Get, Where are you going get, with this, right? Get that thing on Ellen's New Deal. Come on. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, if I 
All right. Well, I'll I'll try. All right, monk, monkey's <laughs> paw. The game's delayed. <laughs> oh, man. So you you must have been buying a lot of things uh, recently because you've been working on PC built. That's not a good transition. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you uh, Stephen, you tend you you tend you get a good thing going and then you lose your nerve. Yeah, because like, yeah. it doesn't feel it, right. It was you could it tell. was working though. I I you were was doing it? it. You were doing hey, it. Buddy. Okay, all right. Okay, I'm commit. Sorry. Just commit to it. You you must have been buying so many new things recently, Ellen, because I see here that you've been uh, planning a PC build this year. I think the first version was better. But <laughs> go on, go on. <laughs> so I need to lose my nerve in order to do the transition. Got it. Um, okay. <laughs> yes and no. I'm okay. planning to spend a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was like, this doesn't make sense. This is the plan no, part. I, I. Um, oh, now I'm, I get it. Yeah, that was a pretty bad transition. <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, you can give us feedback on this segment on our feedback form. <laughs> nice games club slash feedback. Uh. Uh, no, yeah. So I will admit to having um, developed a little bit of a retail therapy problem during the pandemic because, like, since I'm not seeing anything particularly new, mm. the one way I can do that is to get new things delivered to my house, um, which is not great because I don't need them and also shouldn't be spending lots of money right now. Um, but... Yeah, I did make a plan to work on building a new PC this year. And we haven't really reached a point, I think, where that's going to be stuff I start, you know, I'm not going to get parts delivered to the house next week. Mm -hmm. But I am kind of working on what build, like what parts I want, what build I want. And the other thing I'm working on is making sure I have the skills to actually be able to build it. So I have a home built PC now, but I didn't build it. Eric did. He has been building his computer since he was like 11 or 12. Uh, um, yeah. So I have it out <laughs> if I want to <laughs> not do it. Yeah. But the thing is, I really want to learn more about it. So um, my goal for this year is to is to build my own PC. And I will absolutely go to various people I know for help when I need it. But the other thing I was hoping to be able to do is kind of bring some of that process to the show uh, for a few different reasons. You know, we're not like a hardware show. Um, yeah. and I, I would say I'm not a gearhead. Mark is Steven. I'm not sure. I, I know nothing about computers. Okay, cool. I, I had, I, I basically hired somebody to build my computer and I, by hired, I mean, I got our boyfriend Dylan to do it. Thanks, Dylan. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Another person I can reach out to if I need help. Um, but like, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not intending to switch the show to a technical you know, to be super technical, but there are a lot of interesting things that go into building a system. Like what do the individual hardware components do and how are they made? Who invented them? Where they come from? What's the supply chain? Why can't you get video cards right now? Those are all interesting questions. Um, and I would like to explore some of those uh, questions in a series of podcasts episodes over the next year or so. Um, hopefully just a few months. Um, well, what's great about, about your plan is that um, because of the supply shortage, you're definitely going to be stretching this out over many episodes. Yeah. <laughs> you have no choice in the matter. I have no choice. I have no choice. But yeah, it's not going to be like a back-to-back -back thing. This is going to be something that we'll sprinkle in throughout the next several months. 
the other thing I want to wrap in whenever we do an episode about this is kind of the game dev or game design implications of hardware capabilities, Yeah, which is interesting for lots of different reasons. Um, and one of the reasons I think it's interesting is because those capabilities change a lot. And I think that the capabilities of the hardware can often outstrip the our under our understanding of the implications what yeah. that actually means for design so yeah. when we look at a specific you know if, when we look at processors we'll talk about those kinds of things when we look at processors and and i'll hopefully by the end of it have a nice shiny pc that i put together myself and hopefully it didn't fry <laughs> well i and I, I like that um direction on it too because like these are things that really do affect the design of games in a way that um hasn't that that we maybe aren't fully aware of, and like we can go into detail on it as we're going through these episodes. Um, but like like for instance, like the PlayStation Five, you know, has a solid state drive, a very fast solid state drive, and that can change the way that games are designed. They no longer have to have those cute loading scenes, um, in between different like locations and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now you just you know uh, can literally fast travel, and in the blink of an eye, you're in a new location. Um, yeah, fast travel is finally fast. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I can't um, be the only one who's played Assassin's Creed and gone like, it's not that far away. Should I just go there? Right, right, right. <laughs> Instead of waiting for the bus, basically. Uh, <laughs> exactly. So, like, and that that kind of stuff like uh, can very very much impact things. And PCs in particular, um, like there are a lot of design considera- uh, considerations that are necessary in order for you to build a game on PC because everybody's PC is different. Um, and you can't just, unlike a console, you can't just assume that everybody has these specs and build the game specifically for those specs. You have mm-hmm. to build assuming that they have this range of specs. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that range of specs could cause the game to fail in a certain part of the game where it will not in this other game. And only because you decided to get the, the uh, I don't know enough about graphics cards, the ATI graphics card versus the <laughs> NVIDIA graphics card. Mm-hmm. Something oh, like that, you know? so close. <laughs> I told you I didn't build my PC. Um, <laughs> Dylan, but like, get on here. <laughs> yeah, tell me what to do here. Um, but like, yeah, that, those kinds of considerations are very um, valuable when you're making your own mm. game. Um, yeah. So it's something mm. you want to keep in mind. Well, there's oh, yeah. two interesting examples of that. That um, uh, are One's recent and one's uh, applicable to our game, Widget Satchel. Um, uh, you know, I have a pretty beefy machine, and, and so... And I also have a couple of really old crappy machines. And so I use that for testing on Widget Satchel for the PC version. I was not able to do a, a full suite of compatibility checks. And I think indie developers, uh, sh- I, I am, I'll absolve you from that as well. Like um, there's enough c- cross compatibility, but there are going to be edge cases that you will not understand and, and that you should be prepared to inv- have to investigate. And yeah. one of the things that um, a, a player Widget Satchel uh, uh, got back to me and said, hey, um, jumping doesn't work. And I'm like, oh, no, because we got some we had playtest feedback about how the jump feels. And that's what I thought this was. And I'm like, OK, well, right. we can explain to you how it's supposed to work or whatever, but we're done. We're not make, fixing it. But then he showed a video, a capture of uh, with a in the corner of the screen, you could see the live inputs highlighted in the corner. Like he mm-hmm. went to a lot of effort to make this footage showing yeah. that literally you press jump and nothing happened. And I was Whoa. like, and I went through the code and I'm like, no. Like Stephen Bullet proofed this part. There's no way. There's just no way. Yeah. And we ended up deducing that um, his um, his frame rate was too high. And so, wow. 
when you, I mean, when you make games, there's a difference between a frame cycle and like uh, uh, in, in Unity anyway, the update versus fixed update, right? Yeah. You have physics tends to run on fixed update because you want physics to be calculated in even intervals. But update runs every time a frame goes. So if you have a, a your your game running at 240 frames, you can sh- you can show visually a lot of those things. Those systems interact a lot, and Unity is a little opaque as to how they interact sometimes. And so it, I just said like, can you just cap your frame rate at 120? And he did, and it was fine. No work. <laughs> and that happened recently with a game that uh, when we were doing Twin Cities Playtest, which is our monthly stream of in-development games, um, uh, we had a developer who made a game called Emery, and he had the exact same problem on my machine. And so I, I capped my frame rate to 60, worked fine. Yeah. Um, and it's just like a, one of those things that like, and I only, I only knew how to diagnose it because it was minutes before we went live because it had happened to me uh, in, in a similar situation. And yeah. so it's not always about the not running well on a low-end machine, right? Right. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes people's PCs—it's <laughs> the good. opposite of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and these are situations you cannot test for because people right. have the wildest configurations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you very know? true. Very true. Yeah. So hopefully, Ellen, you won't make a ridiculously too good PC. Or actually, if you made a ridiculous, yeah, you too make good something PC, crazy and unique, so we have a test we case. Can test on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That sounds expensive, you guys. <laughs> Uh, seriously, I saw a graphics card on PC Part Picker for like $10,000 yesterday. What? <laughs> I mean, I think there's probably not many that are going to... Right, MSRP, $450, but... It's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's... Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm mm. not doing that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not I mean, doing but, that. But, but you could, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> that's too much money. Uh... Your consideration for some of these parts really depends on... This is one of those things that's it it's a hobby for a lot of people. And yeah. what you know, and uh um when you buy a computer every three years, you can kind of stay up on everything because you're always pretty close to needing to know this stuff. Mm-hmm. But if if you're like me and you buy a computer once every seven years, that's powerful enough to last you seven years, all of all everything you know is out of date by the time yeah. you need it again. And one of the things that was sort of interesting a couple of years ago, as as um graphics cards were being capable uh, VR was the threshold. Can mm-hmm. this card run VR? And I remember that being a big deal. And now, and now it doesn't matter anymore. I don't know how to compare. Like the latest, I mean, other than you can't get the latest cards. Like, is yeah. there a reason to just get last generation or two generations ago card? Like, how much are you sacrificing? Because I don't see that threshold of can or not VR. Like, I don't know what the real difference is because I, I lost that frame of reference I used to mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. for like, you know, why, why you would want the better one, you know? Yeah. Other than more pixels, more rays, you know, the sort of, which is all fine and good. Um, yeah. Well, those are the kind of, um, you know, decisions and trade-offs that we're going to go into kind of part by part. I can just say mm-hmm. kind of setting up some context, you know, for me personally, pixels and rays can be a source of joy in gameplay, but mm-hmm. they're not the driving source of when I enjoy a game. Sure. Um that that like experience of oh my gosh I can see everything, <laughs> it wears off for me very quickly, and that's okay. Uh, it's just going to reflect in the build that I make, you know. And everyone has a different opinion on this, right? Like the console versus PC gaming debate is not really what we're getting into here. We're really look. I'm really hoping to look into like the technical details, not like what should you play games on. Play games on the thing you have and that you like. Like I don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did want to look up a little bit, you know, so to see what statistics were out there about who plays on what. 
And the closest thing I could find in a cursory search was basically like, what do people play on? And I think what they, I think looking at this study, they just asked people like, have you played on this kind of device? Have you played on this kind of device? Have you played on this kind of device? And unsurprisingly, a good chunk of people have played games on smartphones. Mm. Um, The, yeah, it was 18 years, okay, 18 years and older, 18 years and older in the sample size of 4,000 respondents. So, and in 2020, um, 61% of those people said, yes, they'd played on a smartphone. Not surprised. Yeah. Um, 52% said they've played on a dedicated game console, right? And 49% said on a PC. So there's overlap. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. surprising either. Right. I'm actually quite surprised how few of those respondents answered play games on PC. Really? Um, yeah, I would have guessed it'd be 60 or 70% just really? if I, without any information, just as a raw guess. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, so, I mean, I think, I mean, I think that the part of the issue with like trying to be a PC gamer is that, Oh, now it sounds like we're talking about PC versus console, but whatever. Uh, part of the issue with <laughs> part of the issue with being a PC gamer is that it's very it is it is expensive and uh, difficult just to have the to have the understanding of what you need in order to get the PC. Uh, if you don't have a frame yeah. of reference, it's hard to know what things you'll need in order to make a good gaming PC to play. Um, fancy. Yeah, that's true. Emotions. But I, I guess the the for me the threshold to play a game on a PC is pretty low, and I don't mean solitaire. I mean like. Yeah. It most most cheap PC parts will play most Steam games, um, yeah. Right? There isn't, and this wasn't always true. Mm-hmm. But now, just like with phones, most phones can play most relatively high end phone games. Um, I, like I don't play a lot on my phone, hardly ever, and I don't have a huge Steam library. Yeah. Um, so I kind of so I but I always feel like an extreme outlier. I just assumed. That everyone, whether they have a PlayStation or whatever, has played some games on their PC. So I'm just surprised to see those numbers be about the same, uh, even accounting for the overlap between them. Uh, mm-hmm. But that, I mean, that's inter- that's really interesting. It's, it changes kind of how I think about like what, um, not not a game gamer audience, but just a, what how much of a general audience are people who play games on PC? You know, wouldn't maybe wouldn't call themselves gamers, but it's a lot smaller than I thought. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was actually that was going to be less. Um, ah, okay. The console response, and again, there's overlap between right the sixty-one percent right. and fifty-two percent and forty-nine percent added together is more than a hundred percent. There's overlap <laughs> yeah. between these yeah, three yeah. categories. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I expected it to be lower, and and we don't have to dig into the details of the study right now because, like I said at the top of the show, we're brainy, not <laughs> academic. That was this show, right? Was it the last episode? It was this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but maybe it could have to do with the way that the question was phrased as well. So we can mm-hmm. we can nerd out on that independently. It's just I don't know. It's interesting, and I yeah. I mean, we'll look into this some more. There's the, it is a hobby for some people, right? And then we're not talking about gaming. We're talking about the building of a P- yeah. of a gaming PC. Right. And yep. Yep. um, one thing that I probably anyone who's looked into building their own PC or is into PC gaming has come across is PC Part Picker. Dot com. Mm-hmm. If you haven't built your own PC, you should go check it out for a couple of reasons. One, um, I think that thinking about building your own computer can, if you haven't done it before, you don't know anyone who's done it, it can be a little intimidating. I know this because I feel that way. <laughs> but this kind of starts breaking it down and makes it easier for you to find things and, and things that are compatible with one another. And the other cool thing is that people post their builds. So 
Yeah. There's like a, there's the, there are two sides of that coin. Um, you can go and see what someone has built and you can see what it looks like when it's finished and you can say, I want all the same parts. So I want to do this exact same thing. So I think that kind of lowers the threshold for entry. The other thing is that a lot of those builds look really, really cool and super intimidating <laughs> to put together. So it might make you feel like, oh, I can't possibly do this. But there's, um, like you were saying just a moment ago, Mark, cheap parts can play most games. Yeah. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to spend thousands of dollars to start out with. You, there's, there are but builds you, out you there. you always could, guides. and you never, you never forget that. It's like, but I always no could one, pay a little bit more. No one will stop you. Little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that's going to be an adventure we kind of go on together through the, uh, the next several months. And if you guys, you know, as listeners have any suggestions or warnings, <laughs> please share them because I will yeah. need them. Um, but yeah, for now, we'll, uh, I'll post some of the research and the statistics that we, that we cited here and um, links to some build resources. So if you're also looking to build a computer in 2021 or if you just like to follow along, you can do that. Mm-hmm. So when we when we uh, take up this topic again, Ellen, where do you think you'll be? Do you think you'll have a single part in your hand, or will n- nothing be able? You someone be able to find anything? Do you expect? <laughs> oh my gosh, what a good question. Um, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean I didn't mean to make this a difficult question. <laughs> well, I think I would like to have a part in my hand, um, mm. but the thing is, I'd really like to dig into the graphics card side of things first. Because that's mm-hmm. the most interesting to me, like the background of it and the technical capabilities and implications of graphics cards are most interesting to me. And they're also the hardest to get right now. Yeah, like, yeah. So I we might do that episode of the near future, but I'm not sure if I'll actually have a part in hand when we right. do that. Yeah, this may just be a therapy for Ellen because you to instead of building a PC, we can just talk about all the things you're learning about building a PC. Then when it finally comes time to do it, It'll be done in an hour. You'll, you'll yeah. get it all shipped and it'll just be like, you, you'll have it all ready to go. Potentially, yes. <laughs> well, we promised it. Here it is. Feedback form. Nicegames.club slash feedback. Fill it out, please. You've got questions. <laughs> you have answers. <laughs> Let's, we did talk about it a lot at the beginning of the episode, right? We did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe we could give an example of a question or two. That seems that seems like mm-hmm. a fair and reasonable, it's a really good idea, Ellen. Yeah, Gosh, I, yes. I came up with it right now <laughs> on the spot. Well, one question we'd like to hear about is um, how do you like our mix of ep- episode types? and changing things up last year we did a lot of interview episodes um Mm -hmm. and we didn't do as many uh nice games jams um and uh bulletins we'd like to know if that is the mix that we currently have is that appealing do you not want more Mm -hmm. round tables you want us you want me to shut up more us to shut up more? (laughs) let interviewers (laughs) talk a little bit you know how much do you want us to shut up is the question yeah (laughs) (laughs) you can answer that on on the form from a scale of a little to a already get now, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, another example um, would be like what kinds of things from us we'd be more interested in seeing. We talked about this a little bit on the show before, but like 
maybe we could do some, we could stream some things on Twitch. Maybe we could uh, compile all of our nice game jams into a, com a compilation book. Um, and then like y'all could play them at your at your homes. You can already do that with their notes, but like it'd be nice to have a convenient location to see them. Maybe you yeah. want to have a nice games club t-shirt, eh? you know, things like that. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah. So not yeah, just the so, content of the show, but just like what else does this show mean to you? And how else yeah. would you like you personally like to engage with it? And and what do you think we should be doing with this uh, platform that we've developed? Um, and, you know, uh, now that the show has been going on long enough, like what guests should we bring back? Like what should we what should mm -hmm. a topic should we re revisit? Because we always talk about like, have we done this already? But we we haven't really asked like what what should we do again? And we now the the show is, uh, you know, aged enough that that would provide some really good context uh, in relation to those old episodes. Um, and we want to hear from you. What what should we do there? We're not totally certain. So let us have it. Yeah. Aged and learned. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Nice Games Club brand. Visit nicegames.club slash feedback to give us your thoughts. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So uh, we mentioned recently on the show um, how uh, aged the program has become. <laughs> very, very recently we mentioned very that. Very recently, in fact. Y yeah. You may have heard that episode. Um, <laughs> and as a result of that, you know, we got we get on some press lists now. We're, we're I mean, we're game developers. That's our main thing. Um, but we're, I guess, also, and I'm saying this through clenched teeth, we're content creators. And so... <laughs> <laughs> We have to embrace that side of it. And what that means is that we get press releases, we get uh, advanced game codes, and we try to make the best of, of those opportunities as they come. But one of the things that's been more recent is we've been offered, um, you know, advanced copies of books. And um, one that made a lot of sense uh, for our audience is Jason Schreier's Press Reset. Um, uh, uh, most of our listeners probably know who Jason Schreier is. Uh, he's an investigative reporter. He works for Bloomberg currently. Uh, he was a long time at Kotaku. Um, and it's basically, it's almost cliche for his reporting on um, the uh, working conditions for game developers. And um, and so he's he has a, a very solid reputation for that kind of in-depth investigative reporting um, that has made an impact in our industry. And so um, I'm admirer of, of his, um, and I think, uh, or, or rather when uh, we had the opportunity to get an advanced copy of his new book, I absolutely jumped at it. Um, his pr uh, prior book, Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, um, I had talked about on the show long ago when that came out. I, I'm a, I love that that book. And that book told the story of um, developers who just, you know, worked their asses off to get a game done. And it was, it's a development story. And these, these chapters are individual 
sort of long reads about these, and they're they're just at, they're more in depth than you get from from uh, uh, usually uh, um, from um, like a journal a game journalism site, and uh, lots of original reporting, really really great stories. But this one, Press Reset, is has a completely different premise. It's a similar structure. Um, each chapter is devoted to a story. Um, a, a, of a particular studio um, or group of developers, but it's not about developing games. It's about what happens when your game studio goes under, and you know how do you press reset? So there's the title. Um, mm. And what's interesting about it is a bunch of the early chapters actually tie into each other, and I think um, that's so. That's my book reported to to is to, to finish this intro. Is um, is this this book will be out. In a couple of weeks, um, as you listen to this episode, uh, we'll put a link into the show notes for you to find more about it and pre-order if you're so inclined. But uh, I'll just give you my uh, feedback and we can talk a little bit about the subjects it brings up uh, as well. One of the things I really like about the structure of the book is that um, uh, it's really true to its premise. Um, it, it is not about how these games are made and that makes it really focused in, in, in a way that, and you don't miss that part of it. And that's what I really liked about it. It, 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 it very much, it lets you know what it's going to be about and it sticks to it, which, and you see this a lot of times when you read about uh, games is yeah. it's kind of difficult to not talk about all of it. Right. Um, right. Like when you talk about like, Oh, there's th this sales situation and these executives and this bug and it all mingles together and interacts with each other. And that's definitely true. And that makes it difficult to cover this industry as well. And to explain it to people who don't know enough about it, uh, which can be right. a barrier to change if not enough people know about how it works. Um, but I think uh, Schreier did a really good job of picking a single angle and sticking to it. And it makes the stories really compelling, particularly particularly in, in the case that if you know about them already. So a lot of these, um, and this was the same for his last book, some of these stories you've never heard anything about. And some of them you've read a lot about already. Um, but because the book is, is comprised entirely of original reporting, um, uh, very, a lot of it is new. Um, uh, pretty much every quote in the book is brand new. Um, it, you know, it calls out when it's not, and you don't hear it that often. Um, and that is, that makes it a, a really like vital piece of information. A lot of times the, the books that, that we as game developers read about our industry usually tend to be of the, how did Sega and Nintendo fight in the nineties? Like that's the kind of sort of entertain, the kind of entertaining style of book that, that also informs you. Um, and yeah. a lot of that is usually looking back or, or doing lots of research or compiling a lot of disparate sources. Um, and I think what makes this book uh, unique, and I, I've, I've hit on it a couple of times already, but it's really, really important. It's just a ton of original reporting. Um, and that makes it really, really valuable and vital. Um, on the other hand, I think what that does as a, to, as a negative is it makes the world seem really small. Um, and part of it is because there's these links between chapters, which is interesting from a narrative perspective if you're telling a story. And, and it's really well crafted in that sense. Having swimmed around in this in industry at the, the the shallow level that I have, I know the world is bigger than is being described here, and yeah. and I and I do wonder how some like a layperson wanting to learn more about how the industry works, I do wonder if they'll come away at this and feeling that it's actually less it's less approachable than even they thought. Mm -hmm. I'm a little worried about that, perhaps, um, but my perspective is different, so I'm kind of just uh, projecting what I think someone else might think, frankly. So maybe that's not wise. Um, but I think that's kind of unavoidable um, because the way it's structured is really services the narrative. It makes a very entertaining read. Um, but I think there's a little bit of that's that's my uh, my buyer beware on that is it makes it does make the universe seem incredibly small. And maybe hmm. maybe that's just how it is. Maybe that's the ultimate truth of the matter. And it's not just the impression that's being left. I, I mean, I so I haven't read the book, obviously, but because uh, it's not out yet. and I didn't get the, the, the copy, but <laughs> you you had the link, Stephen. 
I had the link, but it, okay, fine. Oh, <laughs> anyway, I didn't read the book yet. Um, but I do, I do like I, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, mm-hmm. in that like you know, it making the making the the big video game development world feel small is 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 a good and bad choice. But I think that in some, in a lot of ways, the the game development world is kind of small. In, yeah. Maybe in the ways that like it is described in the book, just because like I have very frequently, uh, I mean, just like here in Minnesota, it feels like the the world is small yet big. In that, like, mm-hmm. I will regularly run into people who I know at like a completely different uh, convention that I didn't tell them I was going to meet them at and stuff, like all the time. In 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 a lot of times, a lot of like uh, partnerships and things get built based off of those chance meetings those random yeah. chance meetings that happen so frequently. So it, it, I mean, not to argue that the, it looking small is, is necessarily all bad, but like, I guess like, I don't know, I guess it, the world in yeah. some ways, it does feel a little small. Well, I think you, you, you hit on it exactly, which is that mm. it, when me reading it, I'm getting this impression, mm. but I'm unclear as to whether that's a, a, a consequence of the way that the narrative is structured, because there's a lot of strength to how it's put together. Um, yeah. Or if it's just a truth that isn't well, isn't that examined. There isn't a lot of discussion mm-hmm. in the book about how small that this world is. Gotcha. Um, okay. And so, so that leaves me a little bit uncertain and left to sort of my own uh, outside knowledge to make an inference. But of course, I'm sure. not certain, right? Um, so that's a little yeah. bit. Un- but then again, that's kind of like a that's like a third order uh, subject in terms of what the book is about. Um, right. And and that's fair. partly it's because it does such a good job of not making me care what's missing from the book else elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is sort of, that is, I would, I would, ex- I would appreciate a, maybe a, a, a further exploration of that angle, I suppose. Um, so that's me wanting more from the book than it, than it's, it's promising is, is really what it yeah. is. Um, but one of the consequences of, 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 or what brings me to this and what's a good side of that is how characters are introduced. And so when you're writing nonfiction, you still have characters. They're just real people. And mm-hmm. one of the thing that I think is really interesting, and I think will really benefit people, uh, uh, who are looking, um, to learn more. Um, about the industry and not people who are familiar with it already is um, you get introduced to people and you learn about them before you understand their relevance to the story. You kind of, you get a hint at who they are in, in this, in the place of the story, but then you kind of step back a moment and hear about their background and their aspirations. And, and you get to, you, you, you identify and sympathize with these characters. They become the main characters of this chapter, even yeah. if they aren't the main actor in the, in, in the story. Um, and, and I think that's a, certainly a consequence of like of sourcing, right? Of the mm-hmm. r- reporter's sources. And I think it's really well structured here because it gives you kind of, uh, in, a, in a narrative sense, um, it, makes the, it makes the story good um, and, 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 and compelling. Um, cause you, you're invested in what happens to these people. You're like, oh my God, they just bought a house. Like, yeah. And, and I know this company's going to fall apart because that's what this book is about. Yeah. So you're just kind of, yeah. there's, there's a kind of a tension and a drama that is not usually seen in these kinds of like exposés on what is often, um, uh, covered as scandals. Um, mm. but the way the book, the, this book approaches some of these companies that tank or games that don't do well is is it really it's much more it, um it humanizes a lot of the the players um and it it tells the story in a way that is less salacious and i give it a lot of credit for that because it makes it engaging and entertaining without making it without you're not gonna, you're not rubbernecking at these stories right yeah you you have a yes. lot of sympathy even for the types of yeah. characters in a tale like these that you wouldn't normally have sympathy right. for mm. that's really good i like that a lot because like it makes it 
yeah, it, you know, uh, we we're you can tell listeners that we are humans and we are we are our own characters and our own stories and such. Good, fool them for another week. <laughs> <laughs> Be boop, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> no, um, but be, but we have a platform in which to do that. I think a lot of AAA developers don't have those. They don't have those kinds of resources. They can't really explain the fact that, like you know, they uh, they uh, inherited a bunch of um, loans or something, and they need to pay these off. But they they so they're they're devoted to making sure that this game sells well or something like that. I don't know if that's a story in the book. Again, I didn't read it, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Like th- like those kinds of those kinds of stories are not like told, and I think that this is a good platform for that kind of stuff to be said, and I think that's really yeah. important to see. Yeah, that's good. And I think what the 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 one knock I would give on this, and I think this is very much related to the sources, is that mm. um, as an investigative reporter with a reputation, um, there are people who won't talk to Jason Schreier, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Th- it's kind of it's like being Schreiered is like a cliche in AAA, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that's oversold a little bit. I think people who nobody knows they're the bad guy, you know what I mean? So it's not like, yeah. they're, so they're not going to hide necessarily as much. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of language in the book about, um, uh, uh, particularly the chapters that focus on EA about like the, the sort of faceless corporate decision makers and how obviously stupid they all are. And, mm. and not that there isn't evidence for that, but I feel like that's the only part angle in the book that is sort of, um, it's a little caricatured. Um, there's a particularly mm-hmm. the, we talk about um, uh, the Dead, pa- Dead Space series, um, which was a real up and down saga, um, and yeah. you know the closing of that studio, and it really talked about how EA. That was the time when EA was really focused on making all of their games service games, making sure everything had an online component, and this was like a mm-hmm. big mistake from them that they're only now starting to learn from. But in that era, uh, you know, Visceral just wanted to make these single player, you know, sci-fi horror games that were really well received. That's what they wanted to make. And the the book kind of says that, you know, EA, all they wanted was this, and then they finally closed the studio down. But when you think about the actual facts of the matter, they made three Dead Space games that were, each of them were, uh, were at the time uh, depicted in the story as disappointing for EA in terms of its mm-hmm. sales and impact. They made three of those over the course of many years before EA pulled the plug. And so I think there's a little bit of, um, of sort of fairy tale uh, quality to these sorts of things. When it's like, as an indie developer, I'm sitting here going, I would love eight years to fail and fail for a corporate overlord before they finally <laughs> gave me a generous severance package. Like, there's yeah. a little bit of of seeing. Maybe that's from my perspective, but just seeing some of the the sort of reduction of these these. Uh, and it's it's a. I mention it because it's an exception to how thorough and interesting the book treats a lot of subjects it's just a place where and it's very easy for a reader um even people in the industry who are not the faceless you know most of us are not the faceless corporate executives to easily vilify that process and and also because we know for a fact that ea's strategy was bad and wrong like Mm. it's not there's no sympathy for that necessarily but just when you actually put it up you know and if you like put it out in um post-it notes on a wall you're like oh actually this isn't the disaster it's being uh, or isn't the, the the crime necessarily that's being sort of depicted as? Uh, hmm. And I, I feel there's just a couple of instances where it got a little bit too casual with drawing those kinds of conclusions. Um, and the only other knock I'd have on on the book is something that I've definitely seen from Schreier's reporting at Bloomberg, which is that occasionally he'll take a, a whole paragraph to describe what a, what microtransactions are. 
Um, and then later in the book, he'll use jargon that you would not understand if you are not well familiar with the industry. And I think that's a case of, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is definitely a book for a general audience. It will be appreciated yeah. especially by gamers and game developers. But it, I think because of how expertly it's crafted, I think it mm -hmm. is appropriate for everyone. But you can kind of, sometimes you feel like, I don't need to hear this explanation. I know, you know, like I, I know what, that, that there's a difference between Windows and Mac. Like I know little things that seem like, but at the same time, it's not, it never really takes that much away. It's just kind of like, a, oh, okay, this is clearly some editor was like, could you maybe explain this just in case? But then they didn't mm -hmm. catch all of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So a little bit, yeah. I've, that's, I've seen that in his reporting at Bloomberg because Bloomberg is very much more of, uh, um, uh, outside the industry. And his reporting there is meant to reach a wider audience. And that's a struggle, I think, for, for, for crafting your content. So that's not a knock so much as a, like a, I actually sympathize for that challenge that a writer has. Um, sure. But uh, it, it, again, every little thing just highlights how excellent this book is and how these are so... The, the stories are so fascinating. The people are so interesting. Um, and it, it new light on stories you've heard and a bunch of things you've never heard before. So I definitely um, recommend people, uh, you know, pick it up or, or you know, um, get a copy somehow uh, when it's available um, and give it a read. Will do. Dang. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, we Ellen, did you read it? I already I outed I myself. I didn't read it. No, I, well, no, no, because <laughs> Mark was reading it and it hasn't been released right? yet. That's why I didn't read it either. <laughs> this is, I mean, well, you guys, one of you can read the next one, and I and I'll I'll, I'll I will sheepishly uh, um, admit that I didn't. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. Well, maybe Mark, if you had read it faster, you could have given it to one of us. And yeah, gosh, <laughs> yeah, is this your fault? Right, because that's that's how the advanced copies work. Is uh, <laughs> That, I will say that is actually an interesting angle to this to eat up a little yeah. bit more time than I was hoping to in this topic um, <laughs> is because, you know, we're, we're new to this sort of being press element of it. Like we've gotten mm -hmm. press passes for things in the past, but this is still it's not our main thing. It's not where we not what Nice Games Club is about, right. um, but uh, just learning how this process works, how um, how advanced copies are distributed, the kinds of like the kinds of disclaimers you get about like, um, you know, uh, uh, FYI, there's going to be typos, you know, stuff like that, like. Um, mm -hmm. just, uh, um, as, as a person who likes process and logistics, it was very, it was enjoyable to like sign into this website, which is kind of like Kindle, but for advanced copies and like how that's presented mm -hmm. and how there's still kind of like a, it's almost a market because quite, there are a lot of mm -hmm. people who are, who get advanced copies. It's a large, it's not a, it's not a, a an elite group. I mean, we're part of it now, yeah. so it's yeah. clearly not. Um, and so <laughs> the, the, how those things are messaged, uh, um, within that little, that community and how, you know, getting a, a message from the publisher saying, you know, here's a link to download uh, uh, the copy for these particular formats and uh, and the struggle I went through to try to get it so I could do text to speech because it's not it's not a released book. So getting that was kind of a challenge technically, but like also like, hey, if you want a physical copy, let me know. And I was like, maybe I do, but also I don't really want them. I'm not I'm not going to ask them to print a free book when I already kind of have it. Um, hmm. So just navigating that is it's it's interesting for someone who's not uh, necessarily uh, um, uh, purports to be part of that. You know? Yeah. Hmm. Right. That's cool. Yeah. And, and like I said, I think that like it's a, I'm glad that these stories are getting told because like there's a lot of. Yeah. Well, normally when like normally when you hear about these things, it's just uh, this entire company is shut down and it always sounds like a tragic thing. But like seeing it or like reading about the people's stories who are uh, are, are, are having to deal with this. 
it's more it, it, you can you get a better understanding of what is actually happening with that. Oftentimes, you just see a large number of people lose their jobs, but like yeah. now you get to understand better. Mm-hmm. Now you can see. Now you can better understand the investments that people were uh, putting in to this game in order to see that, like you know, in order to see it to fruition and yeah. uh, see it not, you know, even though in see it not pay off, I guess is yeah. is tragic, yeah. but. And reading these stories, you you care so much less about the games, and you care a lot about the people, and that makes right, that right. makes the book a big success. And it does it in a way that doesn't it doesn't um um it, it sneaks up on the reader, right? Like if yeah. someone goes in to want to learn all about how Bioshock Infinite, you know, led to the closing of that studio, and and all of the things that came from that, they will not come away um, feeling like they were not they were not given the candy they asked for right it'll mm-hmm. it just it just makes them through reading understand that it's about the people and like you can always read about bioshock infinite somewhere else you know right. um mm-hmm. and so I, I really i really like that about it yeah. i'm looking forward to it yeah. mm-hmm. are there are there some uplifting things that happen in the book too i mean it is press reset <laughs> yes, for a reason it, right this, okay. this it's it's um it's ruin and recovery is is the yeah. subtitle so there are definitely uh, um you know Things, bad things happen, but you also see people pick up and move on. Um, and I haven't really touched on that part of it, but that is a big part of the book as well. Um, okay. and, and, and because you're invested in the people that are there, um, that, is, um, that makes it uh, you know, heartwarming, if not um, uplifting all the time. You know? Okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> now you'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> that's our show. Check out our website, nicegames.club, for show notes and links to resources on today's topic. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode and on our programming in general. Go to nicegames.club slash feedback and tell us what you think. It's a newly updated feedback form, so we'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter at NiceGamesClub, where Dale tweets about game dev resources and hedgehogs of the day. It's very cute. Or you can email us through contact at nicegames.club. Want to support the show? There are so many ways. Give us a review on your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about your favorite episodes. Join us on Discord by visiting nicegames.club slash Discord. And now we're on Patreon. As a patron of the show, you'll get to enjoy bonus content, extra jokes, and more. Sign up at patreon.com slash nicegamesclub. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. Ellen, don't edit this part out. Leave it in. No! <laughs> Dang it, okay. Ellen, edit it out, please, thanks. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Oh. No, not- okay, hold on. You can edit that part out. Mark, you screwed him up. You messed me up. <laughs> I did it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.